0: Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, it says, He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness. So that means that you used to have a residence somewhere. And it was in the dominion of darkness. You know, Pastor Tom said that um, earlier in the service today about, you know, if it seems like you're going through hell, don't stop. And I thought to myself, exactly, don't stop because that's not your residence. That's not your residence. Don't take up your dwelling place. Don't pitch a tent in hell. But sometimes we like to do that, don't we? We like to throw a pity party. Right? We like to go, me oh, uh, me oh, my. That's Elvira, isn't it? Me oh, me oh. <laughs> or was it? I don't know what it is. It's song. But we... We're in this dominion of darkness, and we have been transferred. God literally took you from the bondage, from the jail cell, from the prison of sin, death, in the kingdom of darkness, and He moved you as he, he took captivity captive. and He took you and brought you into the kingdom of His beloved son, beloved son. It's just not enough to be a son. You need to know that you're beloved. That you are loved by God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin is the way of the dominion of darkness. Sin brings heartache. It brings hard times. It it brings bondage. It enslaves you. And it leads to death. It will lead to death in your finances. It will lead to death into your relationships, in your marriage, in, in, in your mental state. Sin rob, robs, kills, and destroys. And it says, But God, but, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a gift. God is graciously giving us life. Giving us life. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. So seeing that. We just talked about being transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. It says if then you have been raised with Christ. We are raised with Christ in his resurrection, right? The spirit that raised Christ from the dead quickens our mortal bodies. Lives in us. It says if this is true, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. See, we're not supposed to be keeping our eyes on the on the dominion of darkness. We're not supposed to be keeping our eyes down in, in, in defeat and fear. We're supposed to be having our eyes up. Because that is where our source comes from. We're supposed to be seeking the things of God. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, it says, For at one time you were in darkness. Praise God, you're not in darkness anymore. And it says, but now you are light in the Lord. You are literally light in the Lord it says walk as children of the light so we need to learn we need to renew our minds that we are no longer children of the enemy we are no longer children of the, of the devil we're no longer walking in darkness we are actually we have the spirit of light dwelling within us and now we have to renew our minds and walk like children of light amen that's good news whether you know it or not in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 it says for god gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. The Amplified Version amplifies this verse this way. It says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but He has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in calm, well-balanced mind and self control fear is not from god fear is not from god if you have anxiety in your life that is the dominion of darkness if you have fear in your life that is the dominion of darkness fear does not come from god god says i do not give you a mindset of fear but i give you a mindset that you are that of power that of of self-control, of a sound mind, right, of love, of love, of love, that you need to be rooted and grounded in love. So the good news is, right off the bat, is you know who's on your side. If you have fear of your future, right, if you have, if you have anxiety, you know that it's not God, God's not the one that's giving that to you. Fear. What's the first thing you think of? What's the first thing you think of when you wake up in the morning? What, what's the last thing you're thinking about before you try to fall asleep? What is it in the future that you are frantically seeking to prevent from happening? Is your body giving you signs? that you are being affected by fear? Do you have a nervous twitch? Brain fog, trouble sleeping, high blood pressure, stomach problems, tension headaches, chronic sicknesses, moments of unexpected anxiety, panic attacks, sadness, or anger? Have you found yourself self-fantasizing about death or suicide? Are you overly interested in end-time theology only for the reason because you can't wait to leave this life? You know, we just came out of two years where the spirit of fear was weaponized against humanity. It was weaponized against humanity. It was used against humanity. Globally. And many people are still under this control. I literally heard just yesterday on the radio an advertisement for counseling for those that are feeling anxiety and fear and feel like they can't move forward in their life because of the pandemic. We were all told we were going to die. I got good news for you. You made it. You made it. You're here. Fear not. But I got some other news for you. You're still going to die. Don't let. See, you're you're still going to die. So why do we fear about something that's inevitable? We're still going to die, but thank God for Jesus, right? That He conquered death in the grave, right? And that when we die, we just step into a greater reality of true life. Completely free from the weight of this world. Right now, here on earth, as a believer in Christ Jesus, this is the closest to hell that you're ever going to get. Praise God. This is as bad as it's ever going to get. But if you're not a believer in, in, in Christ Jesus, if you haven't received and embraced the truth of Jesus being God, this is as closest to heaven as you're, you're ever going to get. This is the closest you're going to ever get to heaven. This is as good as it gets. My goodness. So where did fear come from? You're probably asking, where did fear come from? And I'm glad you asked that question. Because then I wouldn't have nothing else to tell you if you weren't wondering that. So, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, it says, and they heard, this is talking about Adam and Eve, after they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. After they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. There's so much, I, I can't, sit on this Scripture, but I want you to know, they sinned, and God didn't say, ah, they sinned, I can't go near them. Or, their sin has separated them from Me. It says that after they sinned, that God came to them. Came to Adam and Eve. You did not choose God. You didn't find God. God found you, just like this, hiding under the bush because you were afraid. It says, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid. That's the first time that fear had ever came into humanity. It came into humanity when man took their eyes off God and put their eyes on self. Where they said, I, I, don't, I don't believe that I was created in the image of God. I'm going to be God independent. I will choose for myself what is good. I will choose for myself what is evil. And all that did was made them realize how much like God they weren't. And they ran and hid. Everything, everything in this world, all the wars, the famines, the, 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 um, um, the heartache, the brokenness, divorce, all these things it all comes back to one thing, and that is fear. We are motivated. By fear, so for some reason, for some people, the only reason they get up and go to work in the morning is because they're afraid they're going to starve to death if they don't. They'll lose their house if they don't. They're motivated by fear. There's a greater way to be motivated. That's by love and purpose and destiny. Amen. He says. He says. He says that I was. I heard you and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Adam and Eve were the very first ones to ever experience fear because of sin. The spirit of fear was never God's plan. It was never part of God's design for humanity. From that moment forward, we see that fear becomes one of the major topics of Scripture. Since everyone since that moment has experienced and felt fear. You may have heard that the words fear not is in Scripture as many as 365 times. I myself have wrongly parroted that quote. I actually went and looked. And I cannot find that the words fear not to be found in Scripture 365 times. But I do find that God's Word addresses a lot about fear. It talks about fear again and again. So whether the Bible actually has 365 verses uh, with the words fear not in it, today we're going to look at what God's Word does have to say about anxiety and fears. Fear is spoken of over 500 times in the King James Bible. Furthermore, in addition to the fear-nots that we talk about, many times in the Bible it teaches us to fear. Isn't that interesting? It's not not good enough just to fear not, but you need to replace it with something else, and that's something to fear. And we're supposed to be fearing who? Who? God. We are to fear God. And what this really means is not be in terror, not to be in torment. It's this type of fear really means reverence, to reverence God alone. That God is your God. And you reverence Him as God and God alone. So you fear Him and Him alone. Because when you fear God, you won't fear anyone or anything else. When, when God is the place of your reverence and fear, when you take Him of utmost importance, then you don't have the room to fear anyone or anything else. Fear. False evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real most of the time our fears are frauds with the goal to bring death into our life most of what we fear is not based on reality and it causes us to make make unhealthy unwise and often unholy choices which then in turn make us unhappy here are some ways that fear seeks to bring death into our lives Fear is godless. A spirit of fear is hopeless because it is godless. Fear shows you a future with no God in it. Fear shows you a future that it's the worst possible outcome. There's no God to turn to. There's no no hope. It doesn't acknowledge that God is already in your future. You realize that? If you're dreading the future, you've got to know that God is already in your future. He stands out outside, outside of time and space. He is there before you get there. He's waiting for you. And this is what Jesus was driving at in Luke. In Luke chapter 12, verse 22, it says, And He said to His disciples, Are you His disciple? Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. Don't be fearful about your life what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? You know, when when Jesus said this, people kind of probably chuckled. Yeah, right. It makes sense. We're more valuable than the birds, but today in our culture, I need to make sure that you know that you are more valuable than birds. You're more valuable than birds. And if you struggle with fear, Jesus is telling you, put up a bird feeder. Buy some binoculars. Go watch the birds. You can learn something from the birds. That God takes care of them. And that He loves you far more. He died for you. He loves you with an unquenchable love. And if He will take care of the birds, He'll take care of you. And which of you, by being anxious, being fearful, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious, fearful about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Jesus is telling you, that if you are fearful go buy some flowers you know what all the women said amen go buy some flowers sit them on your table and look at them look at them the god of the universe jesus christ said that look at how beautiful the flowers is are your heavenly father god almighty wants you he wants you to realize that you he will take care of you even greater but if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field tomorrow and today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven so what's that mean they dry up they die they use them to start their fires how much more will he clothe you oh you of little faith you are not trusting your Father. Your faith, your faith does not bring you food. Your faith does not bring you clothing. Your faith does not bring you housing. Your faith is in God. And God is the one that does those things. Your faith does not do anything. You don't make things happen with your faith. Your faith is always in the past. What do I mean by that? Your faith is in the past. I talked a message on this and I don't think you guys listen. Faith a lot of people think faith is I'm believing and I'm gonna make something happen. No, my faith is in Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ accomplished, his promises, all the promises are yes and amen, and then my faith is in the past and what Jesus Christ has done. And if God what God says, that's what's gonna happen. That will change your life. What Jesus is saying in in these couple Scriptures here, Jesus is saying that when we fear, we become atheists. Or we become agnostic. Well, there might be a God, but He's out there somewhere and He plays no part in my life. He doesn't care about me. Do you see that? Do you understand that? Fear is godless. Jesus then goes on to show what happens to a person that does have a God-focused life rather than a fear-focused life. For all the nations of the world seek after these things. So God's not saying, you don't need these things. Don't worry about it because they're not important. They're not the most important thing. He says everybody seeks after these things. And your Father knows that you need them. Instead, see the, seeking after those things, that's the dominion of darkness. Your whole world is consumed by that. That's the dominion of darkness. He says instead, I want you to come over here into the, to the kingdom of His beloved Son. He says instead, seek the kingdom. Seek God's way and God's way of doing things. And all these things will be added unto you. You can leave the anxiety. You can leave the fear behind. And you can walk into the kingdom of God's love. And all these things, God, your Father, will take care of you. Fear is a false prophet. Fear is false prophecy. What's a false prophet? A false prophet is a person who predicts a future that never happens. It's called the evening news. Unfortunately, the number one false prophet in our life is ourselves. We're constantly telling us th- ourselves things that never ever happen. We're constantly paralyzing ourselves and, 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 and putting fear and anxiety on ourselves that never happens. When we're, when, when, we're ruled by fear rather than love, we become false prophets in our own lives, predicting a hopeless, doomed future that does not come to pass. Fear makes us selfish. Fear makes us selfish. When we are consumed with fear, we do not think about anyone else. You know, there's, there's times in Scripture when Paul writes to the church and he says, don't think that these afflictions that are coming upon you is just... You know, you're the only ones going through this. Your brothers and sisters are all being persecuted. They're all going through these same afflictions, right? But when you're filled with fear and you're consumed with fear, you're like a person running out of a burning building, and, and you could care less about your brother or your, or your friend across town or across the nation that is running out of the same burning building. All you think about is self. Fear makes us ineffective. fear, especially the fear of failing, paralyzes us from taking action. There are things that God has asked you to do there are, there are just there's wisdom in your life, steps that you need to take that you know you need to take. maybe it could be anything from starting a business or or um, a ministry or or having children, or all these things. And fear is paralyzing you. Fear is paralyzing you. It's keeping you from moving, moving forward. And, and it will cause you not to move forward in the things that God is asking us to do. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells us the parable of the talents. Right? One He gave ten, one He gave five, one He gave one each of the servants that increased his money, that's what talents are, was rewarded. Was praised. There was one though that did not. He didn't increase and he did not get praised. He was actually called an evil servant. An evil servant. It says in Matthew 25:25, when the, the, uh, the, the one that received the one talent, he says, "I was afraid. I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. So many people don't do what they know they need to do, what they feel God leading them to do, is because they're afraid. They're afraid. Fear makes us ineffective. There, there, there could be financial things in your life that you're not willing to do not take the step because you're afraid. There could be a job that, that God is, is bringing into your life, but you're afraid because you're so used to your comfort zone that you're afraid for change and to make the step. It makes you ineffective. The reason the man did not increase his money was because of a spirit of Fear. Fear causes us to lose touch with reality. Fear gives us tunnel vision, and in tunnel vision, we magnify and enlarge the negative in our lives. There is so much good that's happening in our lives. If you got air in your in your lungs, praise God, right? That you got a wonderful church, praise God. Right there, you have you, you got a spouse that's still putting up with you. Praise God. You got friends. Praise God. You got children. Praise God. Grandchildren. Praise God. That you were blessed. You won the lottery. You were born in the United States. Praise God. That Jesus saved your soul. That you are awo- you awoken to the truth of Jesus Christ and you're born again. Filled with His Spirit. Praise God, but we forget all that. Fear causes us just to focus on the negative and the negative only. And so often that negative thing that you're focusing on never comes to pass. Fear causes us to seek to be God. Fear causes us to be obsessed with controlling the situation. We need to control every detail because we are living in fear. We're controlling our future rather than trusting God and allowing Him to direct our future. Fear robs us. John 10.10 For the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. Fear steals your joy your hope, your health. It kills your heart, your soul, your strength. Fear destroys your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself, and your relationship with others. Fear makes us unstable. In James chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus' half-brother, I think He should know something. In James chapter 1, verse 8, it says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. See, when we allow fear to grip us, we are torn between obeying the spirit of fear or the Spirit of God. And you're double-minded. You're unstable. See, the key to defeating the spirit of fear is starving it. You need to starve fear and you starve fear By feeding on the love of God. Many people say that the opposite of fear is faith. That's fine. If you want to say that, that's fine. I don't necessarily subscribe to that. I believe the opposite of fear is love. The opposite of faith is works. You need to starve fear by feeding on God's love. The Holy Spirit gives us insights into this in Philippians. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. When is always? Is it right now? Yeah. How was it right now? Yeah. It's always. Is it in the good times? Yeah. Is it in the bad times? Yeah. Yes. Always. Rejoice to the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Praise God. We need that. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. Don't be fearful about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. That sounds good, don't it? That's the kingdom of His beloved Son. That's His desire for you. That is life, and you're leaving death. Right? Let's break this down and see how we starve fear and feast on God. We need to adjust. You need to adjust your focus. When we only focus on the negative, we become like Eeyore. Do you remember Eeyore? Um, Winnie the Pooh's? Friend, you know, he's like, Oh, it's gonna rain today, and I don't have an umbrella. I lost my umbrella. That's the way it always turns out, nothing ever works. You know who that person is? When bad comes, when bad comes, we we, we feed our fear. And we need to practice, we need to, instead of feeding our fear, we need to practice the discipline of also seeing the truth of what God has said and what God has done. That's why Philippians tells us, "To rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice." See understand something. The old thing about a pessimist or an optimist: Is the glass half full or half empty? That's life. It's, there are good things happening in life and there are bad things happening in life. What are you going to focus on? What are you going to rejoice in? There, 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 we, don't, we don't deny that there's bad things happening in life. We just magnify the good things that are happening in life. You understand that? By focusing on the negative, you You feed on your fears. But when you choose to rejoice in the Lord and to be thankful, you feed on the love of God. Take emotions out of the driver's seat. This is something that I try to pound into us because we live in a culture that is totally controlled by their emotions. How I feel. Well, that might be truth for you, but that's not how I feel. Well, how you feel, how's that working for you? Fear stirs emotions. Fear uses emotions to hijack our minds. And when it hijacks our minds, it controls our actions. It controls our actions. We are are not to be controlled by our emotions. But for many, their emotions are the driving force in their lives. It's a driving force in their lives. It's like a sail on a ship. If your sail is completely filled with the emotion of fear, it becomes a driving force and it's like sailing in a hurricane. Instead, when we're tempted to be anxious and filled with fearful thoughts, Philippians tells us, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Reasonableness means to use mental reasoning to make wise, faith-filled decisions that drive you forward into God's will for your life. This is the opposite of allowing emotions and circumstances to steer you off the cliff. We replace panic with prayer. It's so simple, but it's so easy to forget, isn't it? Fear causes panic. We need to replace panic with fear. I hope you know that freaking out is not one of the gifts of the Spirit. right? It's not part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I have the fruit of freaking out. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people that think they do. Why aren't you freaking out? Well, that's not my fruit. Panic helps nothing. Prayer helps everything. Philippians tells us, do not be anxious. Don't be fearful about anything. Again, what's the word anything mean? Everything. Know what that means in the Greek? Everything. But in everything, what's everything? Everything. By prayer and supplication. Prayer does three things. Praying transfers the burden to God. Where did fear come first come from in the first place? Was it God that gave us fear? No. Satan brought fear into the world. Do you know who the most terrified person there is on the face of the planet? Or face in existence? Satan. He's terrified. That's how he lives. He is the spirit of fear. He's terrified. And what have we been saying to this whole thing? We don't want to act like the devil. Right? So seeing that fear was not God's design, anxiety was not God's purpose in the earth, you were never designed to carry those burdens. And you can cast those burdens, cast those cares onto the Lord. Why? Because He cares for you. He cares for you. Praying transfers the burden to God. Praying allows God to be your shield. You're no longer playing God. You're no longer your defender. When you pray, you invite God to come into your life and to shield you. You are what? You are putting faith into God. And the Bible calls faith a shield. God becomes your shield. Praying allows God to be your shield. Praying allows us to express ourselves verbally. Sometimes you need to let God know. You need to let somebody know how you're feeling. Because there is emotions tied to our circumstances. There are, and What emotions are, emotions are like a, a, a warning light on your car. It's to let you know that something's not right. When you're getting angry... It's to let you know that you are belief, you're, you're letting fear come into your life. You are letting some, a lie you have come in your life and it's trying to take control of you. When fear and anxiety come in and worry and dread, that's to let you know that you're playing God. You're not trusting God. And you can verbalize this to God. And guess what? It's private. You know how many people verbalize their fears, their anxiety the stuff that's happening in their life to other people on social media, all that garbage that's on there. And you can't take it back. And at the same time, now you're, you're, you're um, spewing your fear, fear on the other ones and giving them the opportunity to believe those false prophecies. To embrace it for themselves if they're not strong believers. But prayer, you get to verbalize it. You get to take it to God. You get to throw it on His shoulders. Right? And it's privately. We always should talk to God before we talk to anyone else. A lot of times, other people become your God. Become a place of refuge. Become a place of safety. And I'm not saying that the church and other believers and family shouldn't be a safe harbor, but I'm saying that your number one place that you need to turn to If you're rooted and grounded, if you're perfected in love, is God, your Heavenly Father, because He cares for you. Tell your Father what you want. See, fear has two lies. Fear has two lies. The first lie fear tells us is that uh, it tells us what we don't want to experience. Fear comes and tells you something that you don't want. I don't want this to happen. I don't want to experience this. The second lie that fear tells you is the good that you are going to lose. You're going to get this and this is going to be taken from you. Those are the two lies of fear. Instead of listening to fear tell you what you don't want, tell God what you do want. Make your request known. Again, fear is telling you something you don't want. Tell God what you do want. Philippians tells us to let your requests be known to God. Enjoy God's presence and peace. Fear tries to overwhelm us with its presence and cause anxiety. Philippians tells us do not be anxious. Don't be fearful about anything because the Lord is at hand. The Lord is with you. The Lord is here. The Lord is at hand. You don't have to fear. For I am with you. As you go through the storms of life, there is the Savior sleeping peacefully in the bow of your boat. And you think God doesn't care. And you think that He's taking you to a place that you're going to die. And Jesus gets up, calms the storm with a word. Looks at you and says, You of little faith. Faith in what? Faith in trusting that God is on your side. That God is in the boat. When we choose to focus on God's love over fear, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is present in the presence of God brings the peace of God into your life. The number one way, though, to snuff out fear is by being perfected in love. You know, I made a comment that might have been different for a lot of people that faith is not the opposite of fear. Love is. This is how I came to that conclusion. In 1 John chapter 4 verse 18 it says there is no fear in love. Who is love? God is love. There's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Why was Adam and Eve hiding in the garden? They were afraid. They thought they were going to be punished. We, I don't have time to unpack all this, but we do not have a God that's looking to punish sinners. We have a God that's coming to save sinners. God is not against you. God is for you. He desires you to prosper and have success more than you desire your own children to prosper and have success. Or to make make things even more clear, the one that you love the most, He desires for you to prosper and have success more than you desire for you to prosper and have success. Your Heavenly Father is for you. He says, it has to do with punishment for whoever fear fears has not been perfected in love. Who is love? God. Perfected in God. Perfected in the love of God. Jesus knew God as Father. Do you know that? Jesus knew is the one that showed us God as Father. When he was baptized in the River Jordan, right? The Trinity showed up. Holy Spirit came down like a dove, and the voice of God thundered and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And when he went into the wilderness to face temptation, Satan said over and go, over again, If you are the Son of God, what did he leave out? Beloved. He left out beloved. It's one thing to be a son. It's another thing to be the beloved son. If the devil can get you to believe that you're not beloved, he's got you. He's already got you. You are the beloved son. Jesus was the beloved son. And it says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Not only did Jesus know God as Father, but He wanted us to know Him as Father. When His disciples asked how should we pray? God did not say, pray like this, O El I, Elohim, Yahweh. No, He used a name much greater than all those names. And that was the name Abba. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Jesus wants you to know God as Abba. Your dad. He's our father. Now look at what Romans tells us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Fear enslaves you. We did not receive. Receive this spirit of slavery. This idea, this mindset of slavery to fall back into that that fear mindset. That that orphan mindset. That abandonment mindset. that, That mindset that says, I'm all by myself. I'm all alone. He says, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. Why... I said this before, but I've always struggled with adoption. Why? Why does he adopt us? That almost sounds like we're not, we're not like flesh and bone. You know, we're not his offspring. The reason why Holy Spirit chose the word adoption, because in Greek and Roman culture, when this was written in the culture of its day, you could disown a son or daughter for not measuring up to what you expected them to measure up. To, not to be, because they said that you had no choice in the son or daughter. Right? But if you adopted a son, if you adopted a daughter, guess what? You could never disown them. You could never disinherit. They could never lose their inheritance. Why? Because you knew what you were getting. And listen to me. God knew you. God knew all your hidden sins. God knew all the mistakes that you made and, what, and the mistakes you're going to make. He knew everything about you and He chose to adopt you. He chose to adopt you. We have received the Spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father! Abba, Father! The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You're a child of God. God is your Abba. He's your Daddy. He cares for you. He does not want you to be in slavery. He does not want you to be fall back into fear. Our number one goal is to be perfected in the love of our Heavenly Father. Whenever we fear, whenever fear controls our life, we forget that we are adopted sons and daughters of God. We forget who holds us in His, in His hand. We forget what Tom read to us earlier today. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It says, For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's your Heavenly Father's desire for your life. And I don't care what other people have told you what God is like. I don't care about what the God that you've made up in your mind. But I do care about the God that's revealed in Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Him. If you've seen Him, you've seen the Father. He is the perfect representation of God. and God We have a God that lays down His life. Not when you were good, but when you were at your worst. He died for you. That's the God we serve. That's the God that, that lives with us and within us. That's the God that has a destiny and purpose for your life. That's the God that wants to fill you with joy. Fill you with His peace. Give you gentleness. Self-control. To fill you with His love. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen? This is our God. This is our God. Fear robs us. Fear destroys us. Fear, Fear brings death. But Jesus brings life. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that we have been translated. We have been set free. We are not children of fear, but we are children of God. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we break the spirit of fear off this congregation, off the minds of your people. If they're struggling with anxious thoughts of a failed future, doom and gloom, we say the best is yet to come in Christ Jesus. You have a Daddy that loves you. You have a Father that cares for you. Cast your cares unto Him. He loves you. He cares for you. You have Holy Spirit in you to lead you and guide you into all truth. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Heavenly Father, remind us through Holy Spirit, bring us into remembrance that we can come to God in the moments of crisis, in the moments of fear, in the moments of anxiety, when it tries to overcome our boat, when it tries to overcome our bones, when it tries to overcome our life, we can focus on You. We can rejoice in You. So Father, right now, we thank You that that the lie of fear is broken in Jesus' name and we've been set free we are free indeed because Jesus has set us free. And it's in His mighty name we pray. And we praise Him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. Amen. Let's worship. You've been listening to a message from Caris New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www. At kirisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.